0: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his rahmah and uh, through his fadl has given us the gift of Islam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he gave us the gift of the Prophet Muhammad. He gave us the gift of the Quran and everything else that comes along with these gifts. So we must appreciate all of these gifts as blessings and we must do everything to. Thank Allah to be grateful to Allah to make sugar to Allah for all of these alhamdulillah wonderful heavenly and divine gifts. Heavenly and divine gifts are exclusive to Muslims. Worldly gifts are common to Muslims and non-Muslims. What makes a Muslim special are the heavenly gifts that come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they come upon the Muslim Ummah and they come upon Muslim individuals. So we must see this as our world view. That is why going after the dunya 24-7 being engrossed in the world and assuming that the only reason we exist and work is to procure and secure worldly gifts. That is a myth. That is not the way we see who we are and what we are. Worldly gifts, Hindus, Jews, Christians, and others, now the Chinese, they probably have those gifts more than we do. The question is, why are we still Muslim if those gifts are the only thing we look for? So because we believe in the day of judgment we believe in life after death we are mandated and encouraged to look for gifts in the akhirah also we have a house here the prophet said if you build a house here Allah will build your house in jannah So, he gave us this formulae by which we can procure gifts after death and that is the difference between a Muslim and a Muslim. And if this mindset rules the Muslim psyche, then you will see amazing things happening in the world. The reason why? We don't see that much, is because Muslims don't actually believe in their own minds that Islam has the answer to all problems. Now, in that context, I'm going to talk to you about a very sensitive issue. So you'll have to excuse me if I offend a few people the intention is not to offend the intention is to explain where we stand as muslims on certain very critical issues in society today especially here in the usa that the lens through which we look observe evaluate assess and determine values is very different from the cultural norm of the U.S. and indeed now the whole world. is very different. We don't look at things the way that others look at the same thing. There's an issue. There's an issue, very big issue in our nation and throughout the world. And that is the issue of now what do we call homosexuality the gay, lesbian, efforts here and everywhere else in the world so first and foremost, oh that's haram categorically, conclusively, it is haram there's no debate amongst any Muslim scholar about the fact that it is haram, period no concession whatsoever, even if you were to die With pork, there's a concession. You could eat something when you're dying. But on this, there's no concession. Even if you're dying, absolutely no concession. Categorically, haram. That's our position. And we should mention this position in the name of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. For us, this is not a social, cultural value. For us, this is a valley of halal and haram. A valley of sin or lack of sin. That's how we frame it and that's how we approach it. We don't concede the sin in that action. We don't compromise, nor should we. And there are many in the U.S. Unfortunately, Muslims get onto the bandwagon of the liberal movement and they assume everybody in the USA is with the gay movement. That is absolutely false. That's not true. There are many who are Republicans who disdain the whole idea. There are Catholics who abhor the idea. So by no means is it the dominant understanding and evaluation. So we have to know our, you know, the politics of the country also and we have to know where people stand. So before we get to that, there's a much more foundational issue with the whole movement, much more foundational. And what is that? That is, that does Islam approve of mentioning what happens behind closed doors in the privacy of the bedroom. <coughs> Does Islam endorse this act or this approach? Not that you have not got forbid, up with social media, whatever. That you you are exposing yourself sometimes stripping yourself to the bare bones exposing your life experiences to everybody on the planet where is now the islamic value about this never mind the gay lesbian that's far away this is here at home if there's a husband and wife if there's a husband and wife can they share their bedroom experience with the whole world? The answer that you all know is categorically no. The Prophet cursed women who described their marital affairs to other women. Listen Hadith. So we have sometimes not jump onto the banner, I mean, you know, this is the only debate. No, there, there, there are more foundational debates that the whole society, including Muslims, they just don't know and they ignore them. And that's the issue of privacy. This is a private act. That the Prophet ﷺ didn't want Muslims to be that... You know, forthright or forward, not just in speaking about their private actions in the bedroom, but even in the bedroom, there are some rules that what you do, what you don't do, some adab. This all <coughs> stems from one value, and what is that? That is Haya. That is what? Hayah. <laughs> modesty, having some shame, honor, dignity about yourself. If you don't have honest haya, and you don't have shame within you, and you don't have modesty within you, then the Prophet said, very beautiful hadith. If you don't have haya, modesty and shame, then you can do whatever it is you want to. And that's what happened. So never mind whether it's halal haram or other. It starts here in the heart. Now, do I recognize this as a very private, a very sacred act? Or do I see this as a social action? Hence, the corruption comes in. The perversion comes in. Do you understand the Hukum of Zina? The Hukum of Zina is, you know, MashaAllah, alhamdulillah, none that has ever happened. In the hukum of zina, the punishment for zina is what? Rajah. You stone the guilty. But that can only be applied when? When there are four sure eyewitnesses who see exactly what happens between the man and the woman. They must see the whole thing. such a high standard of Haya. Even in enforcing the punishment for Zina, Sharia recognizes that it is impossible in a Muslim community that you would have four eyewitnesses to this act. Where are you going to put four eyewitnesses? Nowhere, hopefully. Nowadays obviously, it's all over the place. The issue, my dear brothers and sisters, is that we must appreciate these foundational values that become civilizational values for the identification of a Muslim Ummah. You don't kiss in public. You don't kiss with your family when they're there. Why is that? Because of haya, Not because the act itself is Haram We don't do that as an ummah, as a civilization, we've never done that. So the Prophet ﷺ disciplined this ummah by developing, inculcating core, human, pristine, natural values without making a case for a social value, without making a case for a legal value, a political value, it stems from here, from the nafs, from the heart, from the internet. Now, we don't see this as being good for society, that we discuss our private affairs to anyone, even our parents, even our siblings, even our cousins. We just don't do that. That's why all of these sins, the Muslim Ummah is also human. Muslims commit sins. Nowhere in our history have we advertised sin. We always had shame, haya, modesty. We'll always shy away from speaking about, will hide our sins. And as a rule of Sharia, we are supposed to hide our sins. Because the ulama say, if you commit a sin, and then you expose it, you will be guilty of two sins. One is the sin, and the other is exposing the sin. It is also a kabira, it's a major sin, to expose your sin in front of people and talk about it and gossip and say over the dinner table, I do this, I do this, I do this. That's a categorically haram. You cannot speak about a sin that you commit to anybody. There's no confession in Islam. We don't do confession. We do tawbah. But we don't do this. So the Quran comes down so heavily with regards to zina, with regards to slander, with regards to blasphemy, with regards to accusing people of not just a sin, but an incredible sin. Huge. Those who love the idea, that immorality spreads in the community. Right? Through gossip, through other magazines, journals, shows, podcasts, social media. Those who love the idea that immorality should spread. Tashi' al Fahish. What does Allah say about them? They have a painful doom. They have a pain for punishment in this world. So if you know, God forbid, you know somebody who's committed, and so now you assume, that we can't even assume that somebody's going into a bar. Do you know what the us say? They look at the adab. And some of us think ulama are stupid. There's no value for the ulama. We can learn the Qur'an hadith ourselves. No, you can't. If somebody walks into a bar, a Muslim is not allowed to speculate about that person that he's going into the bar for a drink. We're not allowed to do that by Adab. That is the level of Adab, haya modesty we have for each other. Now, this is ridiculous. What else is he going into the bar for? Well, that's not up to you. You don't have the prerogative to make that judgment. Maybe he's going for directions. Maybe he's going to meet somebody. Why? Because the, the, the punishment is severe. That if you want immorality to spread by your gossip, by your tongue, and through your columns and podcasts, they have a severe punishment is all based on haya, modesty, shame. Neither do we expose our sins, nor do we expose the sin of our brothers and sisters. That is the Muslim way. Unless God forbid there's a civil case, there's a court case, then that's different, that goes into the realm of legalities, not in the realm of culture. In the Muslim culture, what do we do? We stop fahisha, immorality, and sin from spreading from our mouths. The punishment for slander. <coughs> there, there was a case in Medina. Somebody, some people, brought a case of zina to the Khalifa. None other than Umar So he said. Where are your four witnesses? So apparently, three witnesses came forward. You say, where's the fourth? There's a the fourth. He's debating whether he saw it or not. Uh, this uh, doesn't apply to the rape thing, you know, obviously. Some of your emotional ones, and sentimental You should be. About rape cases in Muslim countries that are kind of dismissed very easily. But that's not the case. We don't do that. We don't dismiss rape cases. The judge can still apply punishment if he wants to, in a different way. That's not necessarily slander. The fourth one said, "Mm, I'm not going to testify. What did the Khalifa do? He levied the Had, the punishment for slander on those three people. He frogged them. This is how airtight your evidence has to be. Not beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond no doubt. So when you want to discuss the whole gay, lesbian, LGBTQ, whatever, how many other letters of the alphabet there are there? They have all of them. Before you go there, think about this. Where is the shame, modesty, haya in the Muslim Ummah when they want to expose their sins? And this is for something that's natural, zina, meaning the, the actors. Not something that's unnatural. You can imagine the punishment there. So what we have to do is we have to take a step back and not Jump onto the bandwagon because everybody else in the Muslim Ummah is doing so. Think. Allah is giving you an akal. Think. Use your aql. Understand that there are many more crimes that Muslims commit before they discuss the issue. And what is the major issue here? The major issue, there are two things. One is nudity, which we won't talk about here. And the other is this. Exposing what you do in the bedroom is haram. You can't talk about it in any way, shape, or form. And the idea that Muslims are now exposing their desires and their passions and their bedroom experiences to the whole world, that is a catastrophic disaster. So what we need to do, we need to think about Hayat. Having shame. Having modesty. Once we do that, then our civilization hopefully will mend itself. <coughs> it will reform itself. The whole idea that you had this idea in the US many years ago. a very simple one. Don't ask, don't tell. Some of you remember that in the army, don't ask and don't tell, which is a value worth revisiting, especially in this context, that we don't want anybody to declare anything that they do in the bedroom, <coughs> even if it's halal. Never mind if it's haram. So this is the way Islam now becomes a gift that it helps you relate to your core values naturally, intellectually, rationally, logically, spiritually. This is the gift of Islam. If we use the gift of Islam to think about these issues and matters, we'll be on the right path. We'll be on the Sirat al that we ask for in every rubul. But if we don't do this and we don't see Islam, we see Islam as an impediment for the fulfillment of our perverse desires and passions, then we're on the wrong path. Allah says: us all, keep Amen. us on the right path. Amen. 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 Amen.